Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Jans, and I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution, creators of the most powerful marketing and communication software built specifically to meet the needs of insurance agencies and brokerages. Um, and uh, folks, if you haven't seen it lately, um, I well, I'll defy you to compare the quality, the ease of use, uh, the effectiveness of this software compared to anything else on the market. And um, again, whether or not you use this or not, I, I own zero equity in this company. Yes, I was the co-founder and maybe there's a little pride associated with it. <clears throat> and in fact, there's a great deal of pride associated with what it's become. I've been inactive uh, on the agency revolution side now for more than three years. And what they have done with the quality of the product, the um, uh, the strengthening of the team for onboarding, customer service, um, engineering, really every part of that company you can look at is superb. So um, <clears throat> I'll stand by the statement, you won't find stronger software or a better company in this space than what we're talking about right now. If you haven't uh, seen a demo lately yet, really kind of owe it to yourself to see what's out there. This is, I, I think, uh, understanding technology is part of the job. So if you haven't done it lately, get a demo, visit agencyrevolution.com. Now about today's conversation, I'll, I'll put this out there. This is important. Um, so uh, it's a very different conversation than the one I thought that I was going to have. So I'll be clear about that. When my guest, Pete Pichetti, showed up in my uh, pipeline as a prospective guest for the Connected Insurance Podcast, and I knew that his area of expertise was and is climate change, uh, I had a very different idea of what we were going to be talking about. Um, I thought we were going to be talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, how climate change will be affecting this industry. Um, I recall being at a um, Travelers uh, TLC, uh, the, the annual uh, top leadership conference, and I was uh, invited to be a guest uh, speaker. <clears throat> and at the annual dinner, Jay Fishman, the CEO, was, uh, this is again some years ago, was talking about how <clears throat> the actuaries are dealing with a difficult issue of climate change and how that may affect the industry. Well, I thought we were going to be talking about things like that, like how coastal properties will be more difficult to insure, or if you specialize in ski resorts, you might have a problem. Um, and so I thought we were talking about an impending issue. I was wrong. I was wrong. <clears throat> I was wrong. Uh, what Pete showed me was that the issue of climate change is now. It's very much now. Um, it is affecting, uh, well, as I think he shares it in the podcast, I know he has to meet privately. This is the issue that's keeping him up at three o'clock in the morning 
and causing him um, consternation and thinking about how, how he's actually going to be able to service his clients because this issue is affecting the entire vertical of our industry, reinsurance down to insurance, and ultimately through distribution and very, very much affecting clients. So whether or not you are in commercial lines or personal lines, uh, you be prepared to be surprised and, and be prepared to perhaps uh, be troubled. Um, it's not just that we need to be thinking about the climate and the planet that we live in and the one that we're leaving to our families, our children, and our grandchildren. Um, but we also need to be thinking about this as a business issue as well. And I encourage both. I think after this conversation, uh, those of us who have thought, well, we're going to kind of leave the issue of the changing climate to others, um, I'll encourage you to think otherwise. And uh, for those of us who've been thinking, well, climate change, it's a planetary issue, but not an insurance issue. Well, that one definitely needs to be uh, reconsidered. So um, it's, a, it's a privilege to be able to introduce you to my now friend, Pete Pichetti. I've, I've just thoroughly enjoyed every single conversation I've had with him. He knows this topic, but you'll also discover um, that he's, well, he's obviously a very, very knowledgeable insurance broker. He knows this industry inside and out. He's been in the industry, uh, well, th three generations of his family have been in the industry. Um, and he's been a broker um, for a long, long time. He's a senior vice president of Heffernan Insurance Brokers. Uh, they're one of the largest insurance agencies in the United States. Uh, there, uh, this is not the first time that a Heffernan official has been a guest on my podcast series. They have very smart, very knowledgeable people. So without further ado, it's a, a privilege to introduce you to this conversation uh, with my guest, Pete Pichetti, the Senior Vice President of Heffernan Insurance Brokers in San Francisco. Pete Pichetti, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Very good, Michael. Thank you. Um, so uh, you and I spoke, uh, the last time we talked was probably maybe three, four weeks ago. I am not kidding that I have told at least 10 people about that conversation because um, it ended up being a very different conversation than I thought it was. All right. So, uh, so, so let's start where we're supposed to start. Pete, if you could introduce yourself, tell us what you do and have to, how, how you got to be where you are. My name is Peter Pichetti. I am a senior vice president at Heffernan Insurance Brokers in San Francisco, California. Uh, I manage the food manufacturing practice here at Heffernan. Um, and I am a third generation San Franciscan and insurance broker in San Francisco. So that's pretty much how I got here. A th third generation broker? You've been in the industry, your family's been in the industry that long? Right. My grandfather, my father, and now myself. Right on. And, and uh, I got to ask this, are you, you, do you live in San Francisco? Not currently, no. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, and uh, how's the smoke? My wife and I live in Half Moon Bay, so the smoke is fine in Half not Moon too Bay. Bad. Okay. It's, not, it's not good in the North Bay, East Bay, or South Bay. Yeah, got it. And and as I mentioned to you, my uh, daughter was in Big Sur and the smoke was so bad, like this week she left. I mean, can you imagine uh, on 25 acres overlooking the Pacific Ocean and boom, it's like, I uh, can't stand it here anymore. So she went to Oakland and 
hopefully should be able to endure the smoke. And I, and I have a feeling uh, that that topic may come up in our conversation later. What do you think? Very fires, so. yeah, fires, maybe. So, yes. Yeah, okay, Absolutely, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, so uh, you may or may not be aware of the fact this is not my first podcast interview with somebody from Heffernan. Uh, the last time I had one was with another broker who had uh, expertise in the area of blockchain. And here you are, expertise in the area of, uh, of a number of things, but our, our conversation is going to uh, revolve largely around climate change and the insurance industry. So now when I think of Heffernan, uh, obviously it's, it's a brokerage with a terrific reputation, period. Uh, but you've got some big thinkers there. So congratulations to you on that. Um, so let's, yeah, let's crank this up. <clears throat> um, I, um, I have been on the prowl for a, a conversation with somebody in the industry to begin to examine how climate change uh, will affect the industry or may affect it. I think it certainly, I, I've always thought that it would. And so uh, uh, I was introduced to you some time back and uh, I discovered that my, I, perhaps the premise of my thinking was just wrong. I was thinking, oh my gosh, we're gonna be talking about how climate change will affect the industry because it's going to be harder to ensure ski result resorts because there'll be less snow or whatever, golf courses because they use so much water or you know whatever, or coastal properties will become difficult. Uh, after our last conversation of an hour or so, I was stunned. And so I think I'm, go I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna start with that as an introduction. Um, First of all, I think people should probably have some sense of uh, like what you do, like uh, what what your market is, what what your niche is, because that will make this climate change conversation really make sense. So my niche is food manufacturing and food processors uh, and supply chain for that matter. Uh, but my my background is also apartment owners, habitational apartment owners here in San Francisco um, through family, you know, uh, and that, and that has uh, been a, a big asset to me and, and my partners here at Heffernan to have that type <clears throat> of, uh, of reputation in the market that we know that space. So large habitational uh, apartment buildings and manufacturing facilities. Large and, the, manufacturing and, facilities. and when you say large manufacturing facilities, like uh, give us an idea of like what kind of square feet we're talking about. So our largest manufacturer right now is in, outside of Bakersfield and that's a million square foot facility. Right. Okay. So the last time we chatted, Pete, you had mentioned that um, you began to see ch a change in the industry, a change in capacity around 0809. That is correct. Okay, so yes. and and again, this kind of gets to the core of my uh, my my mistaken presumption that climate change is in the future. Okay, the effect of climate change is in the future, and we need to prepare for it. All right, now set set me straight. Tell us the real story. Climate change is now. Climate change has been with us uh, for the last decade. Um, it is a slow progress or has slow progress 
in financial markets and financial markets is insurance. Insurance is a financial product. This is financial markets. Right. And um, Lloyd's of London, who we, we have an agency in Lloyd's of London. We've had underwriters at Lloyd's of London for well over a decade. And we follow their, the science that they bring to us. So our knowledge really comes globally to us uh, through Lloyd's of London. And then, of course, the domestic marketplace and insurance. And what we've seen is a shrinking of capacity by large domestic insurance companies like Hartford, Travelers, Chubb, Zurich, Allianz. Um, even though Allianz is a German company, they have a significant domestic U.S. presence. Um, so okay, so you've seen that. I'm going to ask you to break this down, you know, kind of a, a little bit elementary, because there may be some things that you take for granted. So um, just just break it down for a minute. How, um, as a financial marketplace, how climate change is affecting capacity? So as climate change adversely affects the environment, that is less rain, more drying in certain regions or more rain than can handle in other regions. So we're really talking west coast, less rain, more rain, southwest, midwest, uh, south gulf coast, et cetera. Yeah. So as the climate changes and these, these geographies are adversely affected by either less rain or more rain, more wind and rain, um, that shrinks the ability of the the area to to sustain uh, products, right? Or whether it's food products or it's housing, but really it's food products, and that's that's my background, supply chain in food products, and um, and growing of food products. So we just saw a massive wind and rain event in the Midwest. And uh, two days later, I was on the phone with an insurance company and they one insurance company and they had already estimated $300 million of uh, damage to buildings, not even lost crop. So there's been a, a significant loss of crop and vegetation in the Midwest uh, because of that wind event that happened at the beginning of August. That was the, uh, that was a, a, an unusual wind event, a derecho, as I recall, derecho, right? that's correct. Oh, yeah, that's okay, right. so we don't see, uh, and, and when I saw that, I, I, um, I examined that a little bit, you know, in the news and what was available, and, it's, and, and what struck me was that, um, well, f number one, I w wasn't sure if I'd ever even heard of that event, uh, so it's obviously rare, uh, and two, the, the amount of damage was significant, and three, the speed in which it delivered that damage was incredibly fast. And so I couldn't, I, I couldn't help but think of you, okay? I thought, oh my, is this another example of something that's going on here where the climate is changing? So all of a sudden, you know, and I saw some pictures on the news, all of a sudden, you know, a farmer with, you know, thousands and thousands of acres of corn, boom, and, uh, you know, in the morning it's standing up, in the afternoon, it's all laying down. It's and it's and it's become useless. So, um, all right. So so now uh, that's a significant event to the industry. What what happens? So this there's this has a ripple effect uh, going Correct. up the chain from insurance to reinsurance. Can you break that down for us? Correct. So if we take 
the wind event that happened in the Midwest at the beginning of the month and the one insurance company I spoke with three days later, one of the things that happened was that there were a number of silos, dozens of grain and wheat silos that were not full because they were getting ready to harvest. And so these silos were crushed like eggs, dropping wow. an egg from you know the side of your car onto the street. So they were literally, literally crushed like a tin can. And um, they're one, you have nowhere to put the grain now. Plus, the grain is damaged because of the wind and the rain. And now you've got property damage to the plant and the facility and the the, the ability to store the grain. So that's a that's an ongoing problem. But what happens with insurance is, is this one insurance company has all of these policyholders that are buying $10 million and $25 million and $50 million worth of coverage. And so the insurance company, the primary <laughs> insurance company, let's say it's Hartford or Zurich, they only insure a third of that limit or maybe even 25% of that limit. So if the, if the insured is buying $10 million – Hartford is laying off $7 million of that $10 million onto a reinsurance company. In the past, reinsurance was a, it was a guarantee for the insurance company, right? It was, we know that we've got reinsurance behind us. They're going to be able to recover, will recover. It's going to be okay. But since 08, 09 and the slow chug of climate change and these big events occurring, the, the, the first layer of insurance that we buy as commercial buyers of insurance, that can no longer be sustained or afforded at the level that we were buying it at because the reinsurance market is basically saying it's going to cost you more. And if you want more limit, you're going to have to come to us midstream and buy it now. It's like spot buying corn. Has, I, I'm curious, <clears throat> um, has an estimate been uh, arrived at uh, as to how much damage was done, how, how much, well, how much damage was done and how, how big the insurance? Uh, initial you know, the estimate, yeah. yeah, initial estimates are 12 to 15 billion. But the problem with those estimates is that what we've found in these massive natural disasters caused by climate change and, and we know this to be true because when we lost the town of Paradise here in California in 2017, we originally estimated that loss at, let's say, $20 billion, right? Mm -hmm. And two-thirds of that was laid off to reinsurance, right? State Farm, everybody's buying reinsurance. But they didn't buy enough reinsurance. And so they're, they're having to dig into their, the insurance companies are having to dig into their own pocketbook, which they hate, right? They, they, yeah. they sell insurance to not lose all their money. Right? <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a gamble. Right. So um, what happens <clears throat> is, is that the loss gets extended beyond the expectation period. And states like California stepped in and said, if you're only offering your policyholder 12 months of loss of mortgage or rents that was built into that policy, 
you have to extend it another 12 months because there is nowhere for these people to go. There were 50,000 people that were displaced from the town of Paradise to the town of Chico and Orland. So you had, let's say, 10 to 12,000 of those had nowhere to go, so they built these 10 cities. And subsequently, the state of California stepped in and said, you got to give them another 12 months. We're, we're, we're forcing you, insurance companies, to give these policyholders another 12 months to have 24 months of loss of use until they can get their homes rebuilt. And that is liability that they never budgeted for. Well, it's outside the contract. It's outside the contract. So, so yeah. So typically, the, the, there, you know, this is a, you know, there's there's litigation that, you know, and and the judicial system is involved. What happened? How, how did the carriers respond to that? Extremely well. Yeah. They they basically said, we do not want bad faith claims being brought against us. Yeah. Therefore we will extend the 12 months. We're going to keep writing checks for 24 months or versus the 12 months. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Handwriting was on the wall. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now we have uh, the, the wind damage in the Midwest. We've got, uh, I don't know how many fire, fires there are in California now, but it's fairly remarkable. 23 active large fires. <clears throat> and and now fire, 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 now there are fires in, in Oregon and I'm sure fires in, in Washington as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so let me, let me ask you to compare this to nine 11. Okay. So you were, you were around selling insurance in nine 11. Um, it sucked capacity out of the industry, but there was a difference. There's a very big, distinct difference between 9-11 and climate change. 9-11 was a one-off. It was terrible. It was the, the worst thing since Pearl Harbor to happen to our country. Yeah. But there was insurance for a massive event, one massive event. And they were able to recover within the next 12, 24, 36 months. So we were back to a normal insurance place within a reasonable amount of time. While that first year after 9-11, it was, this insurance has costed me three times what I had to pay for it last year. You've got to be kidding me. We could honestly say this will get better because it was one event. And so typically after an event like that, after something really significant like that, the, the industry will suffer some kind of a hard market, at least in... Uh, certain marketplaces or certain niches, right? Correct. And, and, and it and was that, property and aviation <clears throat> were the two that got the hit the hardest because aviation, um, they had to cancel all of the insurance policies uh, on aviation uh, because they did not have uh, war exclusions on the form and they needed to build them back in. So they had to re-underwrite all of the aviation policies globally. AIG was a, was, uh, had 70% of the marketplace. That had yeah, okay, okay. Um, but through three or so years later, uh, the hard market levels out and things soften up and, and pricing becomes relatively normal again. Correct. Uh, um, well, I mean, I, obviously, I, I have to ask the question. So now, 
look look to your future um yeah i i i think that people are going to be forced to buy less insurance that they before you know your timing like i said before we got on the uh the recording i said your timing is very good uh for what we're experiencing because i'm checking the market after every month after you know, the first of the month, I call my underwriters and I check the market to find out what happened to reinsurance capacity. And capacity continues to diminish or gets uh, less access to capacity in the reinsurance marketplace. So where last year you had an insurance company offer a $50 million limit, one insurance company, now you might have to build a policy with five to six insurance companies to get to that $50 million or you buy less limit. And that was the conversation I had today with a client. And I said, maybe we should just buy 30 this year based on the probable maximum loss or PML. So we, we, we analyze the, the property exposure in the portfolio to come up with a PML, the probable maximum loss, and then we, we go and we buy to that limit. All right, two questions, one kind of really big and chunked up and the other one a little more uh, feet on the ground. So the big one is, <clears throat> um, while, while the industry doesn't often get recognized for this, it is really the lubricant of the economy, right? So if somebody's, if, if entrepreneurs or businesses or corporations are going to take a risk, like build a, let's build a million square foot warehouse and produce food, okay? Um, you know, obviously there's risk there, but they mitigate the risk and minimize the risk and protect themselves with insurance now, right? And, and <clears throat> that gives comfort to the, to the risk taker. It gives comfort to the lender. So we've got insurance and so the economy rolls along. Now, it, it, you seem to be indicating that, well, <laughs> the, the insurance industry may not uh, um, ha have the capacity to offset that, all of that risk. That is correct. Okay, so that, uh, I, when I say it's a big question, <clears throat> it, it's, it would seem to me that the consequences, the implications of that on, uh, on growth, right, on capitalism as, as a system or in really any system, uh, it can really have, that, that, that can have quite severe and restrictive consequences. I, I believe, like I'm seeing with my clients, that my clients will be assuming uh, more risk uh, as the years progress and as climate change continues to adversely affect the financial markets. Oh, yeah, or, or, or I mean, some, some will, like for existing, for existing enterprise, they'll probably be assuming more risk. Oh, for, very much so. For, yeah. for innovation and new, uh, you know, new venture, uh, it, they may they may choose to take on my more uh, less risk by less risk by taking um, by pursuing fewer opportunities. Yeah, I I'm I'm fascinated by what I see private equity and venture capital doing today. That we really are very fortunate in this country that. Uh, private investors are willing to take more risk than financial banks, traditional financial institution like banks. And that's really what's driving our economy today because banks just are not doing it. They're 
you know, they're, they're lending money to homeowners yeah. and small businesses and et cetera, but they want a guarantee, right? They don't want the risk mm -hmm. where you and I, if we owned a private equity company and we had a vertical that we really believed in and <clears> we, we wanted to, to risk our own capital, yeah. then we're going to do that. And, right. and we really, it, we're very fortunate that we have billions, if not trillions of dollars in private equity and venture capital that are still driving new venture today. Guys like Elon Musk, they're, right. they're the yeah. ones that are helping. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. So, uh, so now I'm curious, um, what are your customers saying? What, what is there? Certainly, I mean, you've had customers that have like been with you, like, you know, fr from, you know, the day to today, right? And they've seen some fairly significant change. How do they, how do they relate to that? How do they respond to that? Not well. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, honestly, there, you know, there's two, two words, things that are, well. yeah, yeah, I mean, there's two things that are happening right now for our, for our commercial business owners um, is that they are stressed out because of the pandemic. <clears throat> And yeah. then they are freaked out because their insurance premiums are doubling and tripling. So we're not just risk managers, but we're also therapists. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We are consulting daily on the conversation in conversation in zoom calls. Um, it's the shift, the, the, the pivot or shift that we've made as industry professionals. It's almost better that we're anchored at our desk having call after call after call versus sitting in a car sitting in a plane traveling somewhere for a couple of hours meeting with a client for a couple of hours and then not doing anything because you're traveling again yeah versus you are more productive uh during a time where people need you to be more productive they need uh counseling they need true a uh, steady hand advice in what's happening in the markets and how they can manage risk. Um, as I recall, you, you told me a story uh, in a previous conversation about a client you had um, where, you know, what, what do they have a, a $50,000 policy one year? And then that was a pretty significant spike. I think I think you said that the, perhaps it went up to $400,000 and you had to spread it across six or seven carriers. Yeah, yes. So there's multiple clients that go through this. Okay. Right. So it's not just, there are clients that don't suffer some of these consequences and then many of them do, right? It's probably mm -hmm. one third don't and two thirds do. But in terms of a capacity issue, due to climate change, due to flooding and fire here in California, the winery industry has been hit the hardest. And last year, over the, over the last three years actually, uh, the winery industry has had both fire and flooding. And, and so wineries buy inventory coverage for all of their high-end wines. They might own and keep in stock 30, $40 million worth of wine that they need to protect in case a fire comes through or there is an earthquake mm. or there's a flood. As soon as that bottle is nicked or the label is damaged in any way, 
uh, they cannot sell it. It is not a marketable product. They have to scrap the bottle, sell the, the wine as just, they call it juice, and it becomes a blend, and they get, you know, a nickels yeah. on the dollar. Yeah. So, so what ended up happening last year and this year was <clears throat> due to climate change over the last 48 months, 36 months, et cetera, um, the capacity in that inventory marketplace, we call it cargo or stock throughput, uh, inventory coverage, um, the primary driver or primary product was out of Lloyd's of London. And they burned the entire tower of capacity at Lloyd's of London. It was hundreds of millions of dollars of capacity that just went away within 24 months due to climate change. So we lost a number of syndicates. So syndicates form an insurance company or insurance policy. You could have a dozen syndicates that are all built into this tower at Lloyd's of London, and that just went away. It shrunk. And as soon as that went away, that entire capacity went away, everybody else standing, remaining standing, said, we are not putting up $40 million anymore. We're only going to put up two and a half. Yeah. We're only going to put up five and then you have to build these towers and they don't know what to charge. It's, it is a wild ass guess on what to charge. Actuaries will come in and say, well, you should get four times, right? Or five times, but that's very difficult to do when you have an insured, they can't afford four times or five times. So what they end up doing is saying, okay, we'll do three times. But what we're buying for three times is only a third of what we had the previous year. So we are selfing back to commercial businesses having to self-insure a significant uh, portion of their uh, asset portfolio. Yeah, and they're apparently doing it at a time of greater risk. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, got it. All right, so um, not all of my listeners are, are uh, you know, in your niche and they're not all, uh, you know, selling $400,000 policies, um, but I, I know that you've got some, um, some sense of how what you're talking about will affect the industry as a whole, okay? Yeah, the, the, the trickle down <clears throat> is that, um, going back to the town of paradise and the state farm and the yeah. farmers of the worlds and um, how do insurance companies um, uh, sell to individuals, to homeowners, yeah. right? because that is a significant portion of the insurance industry's marketplace. There are millions and millions of homeowners and, and policies that are bought every year. Mm -hmm. And as we, continue to lose homes in windstorms in the Midwest or firestorms in the West, uh, the capacity continues to get eaten up and State Farm and Farmers and Liberty Mutual and, and Progressive and all of these insurance companies are not going to be able to sustain the current model. And so what we're seeing is, is in the outlying areas, the areas like the, the, the Santa Cruz Mountains or the Par uh, Par town of paradise that is in the foothills of California um, where there's high density of forest around these homes, those homes are going to be very difficult to insure 
they're, they're, it's almost going to get, I know it's so almost, but it, it might get to the point where they're uninsurable and these homeowners have to buy insurance from what's known as the California Fair Plan here in California. They have them in every state yeah. and it is uh, compulsory insurance that the state of California runs and it's a pool of insurance companies that say, okay, we'll sell fire coverage for this home or for this geography at X amount of dollars to keep uh, a cost in line so someone can buy it, mm -hmm. but the state subsidizes it. So it, it is very similar to the farm bill. So when you look at the farm bill and yeah. crop insurance, the guarantee on crop insurance can be 65, 70% of the value of your crop. Just like you were saying earlier, Michael, with this windstorm that came through the Midwest at the beginning of the month, they lost corn, wheat, you name it. All of those farmers are probably buying crop insurance through the farm bill, and that is all going to get subsidized by the federal government. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so at least there, there's a transfer of the problem. <clears throat> um, for, for, but the, for the time being. For the time, for the time being, time, but, yeah. but of course, they're going to be facing the exact same issue. Yes. Capacity. Okay. Uh, what else? Uh, I, I think I think uh, you had mentioned in our previous conversation that uh, you could anticipate that there could be consolidation both at the carrier level and the agency level um, affected by climate change, affected by the, the shrinkage of capacity. What what is your thinking on that? So there's you know uh, <clears throat> what is it? I think it's thirty two thousand independent agents across the country, right? Little independent agents, mom and pop shops. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And insurance companies can only sell to so many mom and pop shops, little, you know, agencies, uh, like, like little state farm agencies, but they're yeah. independent agents. They're not owned by state farm. <clears throat> state farm owns all of their agencies. So all of these agencies are losing their ability to continue to have in relationships with insurance companies because insurance companies have to manage their expenses and consolidate their book of business. So what we're seeing is, is a, is an onslaught of merger and acquisition or pretty much just merger buying of small agencies. And, and a lot of this is fueled by what you talked about earlier, private equity. Correct. Okay, that is it. correct. So you you literally have private equity that is building insurance agencies right now. They're trying to, right? But but then COVID hits, pandemic hits, and some of those agencies have already fall, faltered because of it. So you've got venture capital that expects this return on investment that they cannot get now. So they're basically just cutting the ranks of their personnel in order to control costs, yeah. offering less service, they are not going to be able to survive because it's agencies like, like Heffernan that uh, are well capitalized, we're independent, we're not owned by any private equity or venture <clears throat> capital, mm -hmm. and we have very little debt. So when we buy an agency, we're not in that position. We're, we're, we're not looking for the purchase that we make to make money for us off a of day one. We're looking to bring them into the family 
and have them become part of us for a decade. Yeah, got it. Okay. Uh, do you anticipate consolidation at the carrier level? Some. How much, I don't know yet. Okay. Uh, we, we have seen a, a little bit of consolidation in the last couple of years, but um, when, so when <clears throat> Chubb sold to Ace uh, four years ago, three and a half years ago, that was the last big insurance company purchase. And, a and Chubb was a very good buy for Ace. It, it, it really fit very well into their portfolio. Mm -hmm. And they never changed the Chubb model. Right. And Chubb still has that brand. The today. brand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh, well, Pete, this is an eye-opening conversation. I really do appreciate it. Uh, let me ask you one or two last questions. Um, so if you were going to deliver... Like take take over my microphone and say something you know to the industry. If you wanted to say something that you think insurance agents should pay attention to, what would it be? I would pay. Excuse me. <clears throat> I would pay attention to what is going on in the financial markets. I would pay attention to information that's coming through through an organization like Bloomberg. So Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg you're going to get you're going to receive very good information on what's happening in financial markets today because that is going to be the leading edge of whether or not you're going to have a hard market and whether or not reinsurance is going to be around to capitalize primary insurance that you are going to be able to sell those products downstream and and try to stay in touch with that to some degree uh, as best as possible. And then the other, the other thing, you know, that small agencies can do today, if they're not already doing it is follow Lloyd's of London, find, find a surplus lines broker here domestically that has a relationship with someone at Lloyd's of London and just pick their brain to say what's going on there. Because ah, our, okay. our Lloyd's of London people have been telling us for five years <clears throat> mm -hmm. that, the, the, the premiums that our clients were paying domestically, yeah. we're going to go away. Got it. All right. Um, Pete, well, uh, I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us today. Um, if, if our listeners um, had a question about this conversation, uh, perhaps wanted to reach out to you. Um, I, I know you don't want to like a flood of inbound calls, but what, what, what's the best way? to make contact with you? The best way is through email. Okay. And my email address is peterp at heffins, H-E-F-F-I-N-S.com. Or you can, or you can ping me on LinkedIn. Either way is, is a good way. I, I get my LinkedIn <clears throat> messages through sales navigator comes right to me all the time. I see them all the time updates. All right, terrific. Uh, well, Pete, thanks so much. I know you've got to drive home to get back to Half Moon Bay. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know, put your, uh, you know, uh, be sure to recycle the air so <laughs> you're not breathing too much smoke. I, I can see San Francisco out of your window because I got video here. So uh, it's always nice to see one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, so once again, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. 
Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.